Good morning. Uh, we are continuing our series, The Work and the Power of the Holy Spirit. And today I'm going to share some thoughts from a passage in John chapter 16 from verse 5. Uh, so I'm going to read from the ESV. It says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who has sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I say these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away. The, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the rule of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For you will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he is, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare to you. All that the Father uh, has is mine. Therefore, I say that he'll take what is mine and declare to you. May God bless the reading of his word. This is a really important uh, subject for us Christians to be aware of. Over and over, Paul, uh, in his writings, he'll write to different churches and he'll say, concerning the things of the Spirit, I do not want you to be ignorant. Why uh, would he over and over repeat? Because of two things that are still apparent and prevalent in our churches uh, globally today. Is that number one, there's so much confusion around the work of the Holy Spirit or even who the Holy Spirit is. There's some people who think uh, the Holy Spirit is the messenger part of the, of the Trinity. That, uh, you know, we only take God, uh, the Father, and the Son seriously. But the Holy Spirit is like a messenger. Or others uh, perceive or view the Holy Spirit as a substance, like electricity, that comes uh, to give us, um, uh, you know, an ecstatic uh, experience. There's so much confusion. But one of the things that uh, uh, deals with our confusion and corrects it, it is the scripture. Uh, there's no other way. We cannot understand the Holy Spirit from experience. Scripture and the Bible comes before experience. It is like uh, people who wear glasses or spectacles. God bless you. There's a way in which when you're looking at an object, it appears blurred. But when you put on your glasses, that object is more defined. There's definition, there's resolution, there's you know, a, a clear seeing and understanding. It is the same with the Holy Spirit. He is to be understood through the lenses of Scripture. Because there are many abuses where people go with their experience. Uh, before scripture but you cannot be spiritual without being scriptural first 
So that's part of the reason we're doing this series, clear and to help with the confusion. And that confusion is aided by looking, understanding and, uh, the Holy Spirit through the lenses of Scripture. But it is also very crucial, very, very crucial. Uh, and that's why we should pay attention. I think it's Tozer who said in one of his books, Ojeb, or Packer who said, there's only one power that God recognizes in the church, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit, not the power of human charisma, not the power of, uh, of our ability to do entertaining and attractive things. So the only power that God recognizes in his church, it is the Holy Spirit. The three things I'm going to highlight from this passage, there's so many things we talk about the Holy Spirit, and we're urging you to read, to study, and to uh, stay tuned on this channel to hear more preachers and teachers who are coming and to take us through. But I want to highlight three things about the Holy Spirit from this particular subject. This is not all there is about the works of the Holy Spirit, but this is just what's in this particular passage uh, that I, I, I read to you this morning. The first thing that uh, you need to know about the work of the Holy Spirit is that the work of the Holy Spirit is tied to the departure of Jesus Christ. Uh, what is happening there, you can read from verse 1. It says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going, right? So Christ is going to be with, with, uh, with God, verse, verse 5. And it says, uh, I'm going to the one who sent me. None of you asked me where you're going. But because I've said these things, you're filled with sorrow in your hearts. So these are people who are leaving. Christ is going, is glorified, is going to be with the Father, the right hand of the Father, but they're worried. They feel like they're forsaken, that they're on their own. All right? Sounds like a Christian experience that we can have on the earth where we are waiting for Christ's return or we are, we are cons we're asking Christ, where are you in all these things, when all these things are happening? And that's a moment... Uh, the end. And then he begins to show them tie his departure and him being at the right hand of the Father to the work of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to teach them why it is important for him to leave, right? So here's, 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 here's a few things that he's, he's trying to teach them, right? One, he's trying to make them understand that their relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, is spiritual in character. That is spiritual in nature. They that come to the Father must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And they should know that God is spirit. So He begins to tie His departure uh, to go and be with the Father to the work of the Holy Spirit. So that people understand that our relationship with God is spiritual in nature. And throughout the scriptures, this is one of the things that God was always trying to teach even the children of Israel. There are few people, even in the Old Testament, who actually got uh, how their relationship with God is spiritual in nature. A classic example is David. In Psalm chapter 51, uh, David has sinned, right? And during that time, if you had sinned, you had to go to the temple with a sin offering. You had to go and sacrifice a small animal. This is in the Old Testament. 
But when you read Psalm chapter 51, yes, uh, David saying, you know, create in me a clean heart, O God. Cast me, cast me not away from thy presence, O God. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of salvation. He understood that our relationship with God is spiritual in nature and in its character. And that is what the Holy Spirit comes to do. To usher in a spiritual relationship with God. Another thing he was teaching them there in, in showing them how tied to his departure was that as long as he was with them, he's speaking with one person at a time. But now that he's gone, he can speak with all of them. It's like, I'm here. Yes, he was, he, was, he was fully God, he was fully human. But as long as he was on earth, there are many, there are millions of Christians around the world. He says, I'm going. But now there's this whole family that I need them to have access to me. And only if he went, the Holy Spirit would make that possible on the earth. That all of us, we don't have to queue up. It doesn't have to be like the crowds, that people were crowding when Jesus was speaking. They would lower someone through the roof when they needed healing. They would have to physically, I was limited to a geographical location and to the number of people that he could minister to. Right? So he says, no, now I go. So this is what's happening. And it says, my departure means the coming of the Holy Spirit. It says, if I do not go, John 7 verse 39 also talks about it. And then the other thing that he does is, he begins to show that, he begins to tie the Holy Spirit to the work of the cross. Right? And he said, all that the Father has is mine. And therefore I say that he will take what is mine and declare it uh, to you. All authority has been given to you. He's showing them that the work of the Holy Spirit is to give us the rewards and the benefits of the cross. Like it said that salvation was planned by God, it was procured by Jesus, but it is applied by the Holy Spirit in our lives. That all the accomplishments are that God, um, you know, all the things that he accomplished on the cross, it is through the Holy Spirit that we appropriate all those things. Think about all the benefits of the cross. That's healing, that's acceptance, that's assurance of his love, of his salvation. Anything, think about it. So we cannot separate the Holy Spirit from the cross of Jesus Christ. We cannot separate the work of the Holy Spirit from Calvary. And that is what um, he's, 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 he's saying uh, to them uh, in this uh, passage. You will not have the power of Pentecost and its benefits without the pain of Golgotha. Right? When Christ was taken away, uh, when Christ was taken away before the Holy Spirit come, came, remember what happened? They were scattered. They were in hiding. Some even denied him. 
in front of a handful of soldiers. But after the Holy Spirit comes, so before when Christ is crucified, disciples, uh, disciples are scattered. But in Acts, uh, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit has come, what happens? Many are added, the benefits of the cross. That's why in Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching to them. They're wondering, like, what is happening? And he begins to tell them, it is him who you crucified. He begins to tell them about Jesus, about the cross. And all of a sudden, these timid people, all of a sudden, the power of the cross, the benefits of the cross, the truth that having disarmed the principalities and powers of darkness, he made a public spectacle of them. The truth that uh, for this reason the Son of God was made manifest so that he might destroy the works of the evil one. It is only through the Holy Spirit. They begin to gather in thousands. At some point he denied in front of a God that, you know, he's not one of his disciples. But now he's preaching in chains. He's preaching to, to authorities, to rulers. To, he's put in jail. He's still proclaiming that Christ is. Because the work of the Holy Spirit is tied to his departure. But in his departure, this is how the work of the cross, the benefits, the rewards, and the power of the cross are applied in our lives and in our hearts. That's number one thing. It is tied to his departure. And all those things I've mentioned. But secondly, uh, the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is uh, given for its work in the world. For its work in the world. And what is that work in the world? Uh, uh, um, so here's what it says. Nevertheless, but I'll go and when it comes, you convict the world. It says, but I tell you the truth, I'll go away. But the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I'll send him to you. Here's an important thing to note there. That number one, he's saying the Holy Spirit is given to you. He's talking to Christians in the room. It's like the Holy Spirit is given to you. So for all this we are saying, you actually need to be Christian. You need to be born again. And you need to have put your faith in Christ Jesus and say yes to the work of the cross for you to have access to the Holy Spirit. Because he's saying it's been given to you. And then he talks about the world. It's not like the Holy Spirit is available for, for anyone in the world that they have access to it. Because we've had claims of people who say, you know, uh, they're people who the Holy Spirit spoke to them. No, 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 no. It says to you. But whatever work the Holy Spirit does in the world, he does it through believers. He does it through you and me. But what is, what, what, what is this work uh, in the world? So it's sent to do to us believers, then the work of conviction. The natural man cannot receive the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. And what is this conviction uh, in the world? Conviction of guilt. 1 verse 10 shows us uh, what is that conviction? This is what it says. It says, concerning righteousness. It says, but I'll go when it comes, you convict the world, right? Um, concerning sin, that they did not believe in me. So the first thing that he convinces is the sin of unbelief. Those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. 
It is not our persuasion. It is not anything else. It is the Holy Spirit who's able to convict people of their, those who have abandoned, those who have mocked, those who have eclipsed uh, the God of the Bible from their lives. It is the Holy Spirit. He can use people, he can use apologetics, he can use, but it's not that object. It is only the Holy Spirit. Because it says he'll come to convict uh, the world of their unbelief. But he'll also convict them of righteousness. Because it says he'll convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Right? So the one is the sin of unbelief. I remember in my own uh, case, people who had shared Christ with me, growing up in a non-Christian family, but hearing the scriptures being read to me and them getting a new life piercing through my darkness, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. But it says he convinces the world of righteousness. He's talking about the rightness that God is truly is God. There are many Christians who, who second guess their own faith who, you know, are afraid of boldly saying that every other person who claims to have a religion or form of worship is actually wrong and lost. They are lost. They could be people you love. They could be people in your family who are, who are trying to, to find God through other means. There's no one who comes to the Father except through Jesus. But this conviction of rightness, that we're not taking our chances. This is not a gamble being Christians. We're convinced that Jesus truly is God. That Christianity is the only way to God. That Christianity is the true way of being accepted, uh, and gaining acceptance before God is the only legitimate way. Says he convinces of the rightness of Jesus Christ being who he is, being God, being a credible savior, and being a credible faith. But the third thing that he convinces is judgment. And what it's talking about here is that you begin to see uh, the goodness of God in things that people um, ascribe as evil unto God, right? It's like the question that we that's asked that if God is good, why is there so much evil in the world? But the question there is, if you think God is evil, why is there so much good in your life? This judgment you begin to see, it's like as a parent, when you are correcting your child, it appears as if it's it's mean, but it is because you love, you want the best out of this child. You begin to understand the goodness of God, the chances that he has given to the world. You begin to see the judgment of God as a beautiful thing. You begin to see the wrath of God as an expression of his love that is given generously. Since he begins to con convict uh, us of 
of judgment, of that goodness uh, in, his, in his judgment that leads us to love him, right? That leads us to love him. The Bible says it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. Not our repentance that leads us to his kindness. It's how loving he is. So you begin to see uh, that uh, judgment of God. But it also begins to convict you uh, of how serious sin is before God. Because it does say, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, I think it's chapter 21, it says all sinners shall have their, their, their share in God's judgment. It begins to show you that sin is not something that you just live with, we play, we embrace, we pursue, actively pursue. So it convicts us of that. So it's, it's, that's the work of, of the Holy Spirit in the world. But lastly, it's given, the Holy Spirit is given to meet the needs of the church. To meet the needs of the church. If you see in the book of Acts, the church is birthed through the work of the Holy Spirit. The church is not a social organization. It's not a human construct. We've not organized ourselves along our affinities or similarities. It is the Holy Spirit that has gathered the church. The church of Jesus Christ is a supernatural entity. Karen Vineyard Church is not just a gathering that happens in a part of the city. But it is the body of Christ. And life and whatever the, this body of Christ does is supernatural and it is spiritual. What are the needs of the church? Number one, our very own existence. Who we are. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. The conviction that as when we gather, we're not gathering just uh, as, 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 as humans. This is mere uh, with a human agenda, but we're all from different parts of the country, different cultures, different parts of the world, but we've been brought together by the Holy Spirit. And the mission of the church, so the nature of the church is supernatural, but the mission of the church is also supernatural. It says, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. To tell people that Jesus is Lord and to point to the cross and to see hearts and minds and families turn from darkness, be transformed from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. To worship him in spirit and in truth, in his mission. Holy Spirit. So in his nature, so the first thing on his nature is we gather to worship God for the body of Christ to be edified. And we're edified through prophecy, through encouragement, through supernatural encounters, through hearing from God, through seeing him as he is. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to meet that need for the nature of the church. 
for the work of the Holy Spirit is to empower you for his mission. So in his nature, we're being built up to be more like Jesus. You don't become more like Jesus uh, through human effort. There's effort there. Uh, but ultimately, it is the Holy Spirit that enables you to hear, to pray for you in areas of your life that you cannot pray for. It is the Holy Spirit. But in his mission, right now during COVID, we need the Holy Spirit more than ever. Here's what I want to encourage you in closing. That you do not eclipse the Holy Spirit out of your life. That you begin to open your life to the supernatural things of God. To the work, Him who has been freely given to us. Freely given to us. Freely available. Readily available for us. For His mission in the world. So my prayer uh, for you this morning is that you begin to go to the scripture and begin to ask God as you study the scripture to give you an understanding of who the Holy Spirit and what his work is. Number two is that you might open your heart because some of us, you know, earlier on in our Christian journey, we were so open to the things of God and to his, to his work but somehow we've become clever and we've, we've, we've shelved him and, and we only want him to do what we want him to do. We want him to do, you know, we want to give him permission just and to, to limit him in a, in a certain uh, section of our lives. But will you open your heart? Will you open your heart so that we might experience the fullness of God through the work of the Holy Spirit? God bless you.